Hey guys, Tim Martini, host of Exploring the Obscure. Uh, welcome to podcast number two. Uh, first one was kind of a test one, so this is a technical number two. Uh, anyways, on this episode, I will be explaining how I got into Exploring the Obscure, which is probably one of the most frequently asked questions by fans and friends uh, on our travels along the way. Um, so basically, I, I used to work in the music industry. I still kind of dabble here and there. I tour managed bands. I did merch. Uh, pretty much anything and everything behind the scenes. Uh, never coordinated enough to do anything on stage. And uh, anyway, so I was fascinated when we would come across ghost towns. Now, I don't mean haunted towns because honestly, I don't believe in any of that crap. Uh, I believe weird stuff happens in some of these quote-unquote haunted places, but ghosts just aren't really my thing. Uh, anyway, so I was fascinated with these ghost towns, uh, just abandoned towns, towns that people would get up and leave and leave all their belongings behind and, and the fascination of what made them do that. You know, uh, I couldn't imagine just walking up and leaving my house. Uh, so it kind of made me wonder what my house back in Virginia would be like. Uh, that's where I was living at the time. Um, you know, what's it going to be like in 150 years? Probably a mall parking lot, as most of that Fredericksburg area is going. Um, but so I was just fascinated with this. And I came across a town called Cuervo, New Mexico, uh, when I was out on tour. And we got to explore it. Uh, just walk around the town. There's probably five or six houses or buildings still left behind. It's, uh, it's right along the interstate. And... People had left, you know, things in the dryer. They left a car behind. The there's a school that's still there with, with uh, desks for kids to work in. Uh, there's a church that still has a working bell. Uh, you know, so when you when you go up, you can actually still pull the rope and, and ring the bell. And it just people just vanished. They they just left. So I started to do some research into it, and you know, found out the reason why. Uh, it became an abandoned town, which had to do with the, it used to be a train depot town when it was just, uh, the train tracks that were going through. And then sometime back in the 1960s, 1970s, Interstate 40 was built right through the town, uh, kind of causing the use of the train depot and the, the train station there kind of become obsolete. Uh, so anyways, they, they left it. Most the majority of the people in the town left back in the 60s or 70s or whenever it happened to go through. I don't remember at this point, but they left all their stuff behind. So when I was traveling with this band uh, at a at a Lyon, France called Stereotypical Working Class, what's up, boys? We uh, we made our way into there and just kind of explored. It was super cool. We had a we had a great time, and you know that was that. So from that trip, I started posting pictures on uh, my Facebook page about exploring this this abandoned town and people really seemed to kind of get into it and uh so i got back home to virginia finally and these people that were really into checking out this old town just like i was uh somebody sent me a website that had a bunch of ghost towns from around the world uh it also had some pretty weird and strange places and so i typed in fredericksburg virginia which is where i was living at the time and I found out that right nearby was a gravesite for Stonewall Jackson's arm. Uh, he was a general back in the Civil War or something, something along those lines. I'm not a Civil War buff. Uh, but 
he had his arm at his own gravesite once they had to amputate it. I also found out that there was a ship graveyard uh, kind of just across the river from where I lived in Stafford County and over in La Plata, Maryland. That was also, you know, decades old. So I was kind of realizing that there was a lot of stuff around the area that I had no idea about, and it was in my own backyard. So I started talking to some people from uh, an ambulance station that I was working out of, and we decided to go on a road trip. And uh, I believe Tennessee was the first place we hit up. And our first place was an insane asylum in Tennessee. And we just kind of spent a few hours of the day exploring this insane asylum, which, you know, they still had padded rooms. And it was just a really cool experience just to kind of go around. And, and you think about all the history and, and the people that have, uh, you know, been held in there for for 50, 60 years. And now you're just kind of walking through and exploring it. So it, it really makes you think about uh, past lives in these places. So from there, we went to uh, Crossville, Tennessee, which is kind of still near the Virginia and Tennessee border. And we went to the world's tallest treehouse. Now, this treehouse is called the Minister's Treehouse. It's, I believe, like 10 stories high. Um, it's all centered around one tree, but it's so massive. Uh, he actually used to host uh, masses in there. He has a basketball court. Uh, you know, it's many, many levels. Uh, we unfortunately were not able to go in there, even though we, we were trying to. The fire marshal had actually closed it off and condemned it, and we kind of looked at it, and we got a little close, but we actually didn't go into it. Uh, just safety reasons, and I believe there were still police around, and, and it was towards the end of a school day, so there were a bunch of kids. Uh, it was a high school right nearby there, so a bunch of kids watching too, so... We didn't really want to get involved. We were just kind of checking it out. So, again, I posted these places on Facebook, and I got a lot of reaction and people saying how cool it was, how awesome they thought it was. And, you know, I just kind of got excited. I got intrigued about what else there was. Uh, so from there, I made a trip up to Pennsylvania, and I went to Centralia, Pennsylvania, which is kind of – Central, but on the east side of Pennsylvania, it's an old coal mining town that uh, has had a fire burning underneath it since 1962. Uh, they, I believe, the the local fire department tried to burn some brush, and uh, long story short, the brush caught fire and went under, caught the coal on fire that was underneath the ground. Uh, to this day, uh, 57 years later. Uh, it's it's still burning underneath the town, and apparently there's enough coal underneath there to, to burn for hundreds and hundreds of years. So the the town has not been completely abandoned. Uh, by the time we went there five years ago, uh, there were seven people left. Um, it had gone through numerous legal battles uh, because obviously people wanted to be paid for their land, and the government wanted to shut it all down and kick everybody out, but then there were people that had lived there all their life and just said, hey, we don't give a shit about the conditions. We're going to stay living here. So uh, back in 2014, I believe it was, they finally came to an agreement after over 50 years of battling with the state and federal government that these seven people can live their lives out of uh, their homes there in Centralia. Uh, but when they die, that their, their property is willed to the state. They can't will it to anybody else. Um, they got their money for it, and, you know, that's that. Uh, so when you wander through, the, the road into town has been shut off. 
uh, and it's completely covered by graffiti. It's probably half a mile to three quarters of a mile long of a road. Um, so it's really cool to kind of walk down and just see all the graffiti, a bunch of penises, of course. Uh, but otherwise, it's just people tagging their names and things like that. And so when you wander around the, the neighborhoods of Centralia, which I believe at the most time had like a thousand people in population, uh, you still see their fence lines in the in the sidewalk and their property lines and, and the road's shit at this point. All the roads are just crap and broken up. But it's very eerie to walk around because you still have the, the telephone poles or the power poles up. Uh, old street lights are still up. And like I said, you can see the property lines and some people still have their fence lines up. But there's there's no houses. There's nothing there. It, with the exception of people who are still living there, the seven people, I believe it's in five houses, um, there's nothing. It's just very eerie and very creepy to walk around. Uh, so again, I posted those pictures on, on Facebook, and, and then I went to another place just north of there uh, called Concrete City, and that's in Nanticoke, Pennsylvania. There's a series of 22 duplex houses that are completely made of concrete. The, the walls, the ceiling, the roof... Uh, sorry, ceiling roof are the same thing. Uh, the sides of the houses, the floor, just everything is made out of concrete. And they're in this perfect square uh, in this little neighborhood with a, with an old pool in the middle. And it was built back in 1911 for, again, another coal mining company. And it was a place for their employees to live. So, you know, it, it helped out their, their employees and their families could live on site. Um, and then it was sold in the early 20s and the new company who bought it uh, I guess they tried to get inspections passed or whatever and they were told that they would have to uh, put a new sewer system in um, you know so sewer systems were just going in back in the back in the 20s and the price was going to be somewhere in the range of two hundred thousand dollars which you know back in the 20s was a lot of money um, now today Places will spend that putting an off ramp from a from a highway, uh, but anyway, so it was way too much money for this this new company to spend, so they just abandoned it all. Uh, since then, they there was an attempt uh, many years ago to just level the whole little neighborhood, uh, and in one building they used a hundred sticks of dynamite, military grade dynamite, and all that happened when they all exploded was. It just shifted the house a little bit into the, the ground. Uh, so they essentially said, well, F this. This isn't going to work. Um, and so they just abandoned it and, and left the little neighborhood as it is. Uh, so we went there, kind of climbed up on the roof, took pictures. Uh, there's some kids playing paintball there. Um, the, the town is now being used as a training grounds for fire, rescue, law enforcement, military, um, and then back in 1998, it was designated as a historical site in Pennsylvania. So uh, on that same trip, I also visited the Shoe House, which is in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, yes, it's a house in the shape of a shoe. It's not from the, from the old nursery rhyme. Um, it has to do with a, a guy who owned a shoe company, uh, also back in the early 1900s. And, and he basically uh, had – he was so rich, he had everything he needed and wanted – um, so he just decided to build a house in the shape of a shoe. And what he did was any town that had a store that sold his shoes, if you were newlyweds, he would 
let you go to the house as your honeymoon, uh, where you'd have a chauffeur, you'd have a chef, you'd have maid service. Um, pretty much your entire honeymoon was taken care of by Marion Haynes, the owner of the Haynes Shoe Company. So he just kind of wanted to give back to to everybody that he could uh, just because he had so much money and, and no idea what to do with it. So anyways, I'd been to Tennessee, been to Pennsylvania, kept posting about all these places on, on my Facebook page, and people really seemed intrigued about it. It was getting all sorts of shares and likes, and and people were commenting on it and just fascinated, just as I was. Uh, so when I got back to Virginia, I I was thinking about it. I'm like, there has to be a show that goes around and, and finds about all these places and the history behind them and, and the stories and, and goes and documents them. And I did a ton of research, and I couldn't find anything. Um, and that's how Exploring the Obscure was created. So that was basically back in March of 2014, uh, so a bit over five years now. And it was, it's been an incredible journey uh, since it started. I've been to, since it started, I've been to 30-something countries. Um, in my life, I've been to 50 now. Uh, but it's just been absolutely amazing, and the the places we've been, uh, they're great because a lot of times people don't expect to be found or don't want to be found. Um, that might be the little bit of the the private investigator side of me. Um, we've been able to track a lot of people down, and and you know if they don't want to do interviews, that that's always been okay. But we've never been able to not convince somebody to to do an interview and if you listen to especially the alaska uh, goose creek tower uh, also the dr seuss house if you listen to that podcast a little bit later on uh, you'll hear that story um also the the mug house in uh, north carolina and cano's castle in colorado it's all kind of been the same thing where people are very much off the grid and once we contact them and explain to them about what the show is and that that we just want to get their story out um, because people whether they're weird or not or whatever it is they do they they do these things because they have some weird fascination and some obsession and and deep down they want to make a statement and so that's kind of how we've been able to get interviews with all of these people is because we tell them hey we just want to tell your story um, Especially the the Dr. Seuss House or Goose, Goose Creek Tavern, or Goose Creek Tower out in uh, Alaska, we were the first one to get an actual interview with that guy in in 18 years, and, and trying to track him down and get it was, it was definitely uh, that was almost its own story in itself. But we did it, um, and bringing these to people, and you know what do what do we want out of it? What do I want out of it? Is just for people and their sense of curiosity to to be able to explore and and to go off the beaten path and find these things uh you know we get stuff sent to us every other day uh whether it's on facebook or through email or through youtube comments um hopefully now we'll get a bunch of people on on the podcast comments but people who find these places that we don't even know about and people send them to us and we look at everything absolutely everything uh and i've got kind of a database that uh that we put things in and and so when we make trips uh we 
we do what we can to visit all these places and and find out the real stories behind it because what you've sent me may or may not be the true story behind it um, so we do everything we can to track down the the owners and the creators it doesn't matter where in the world it is what language it is um, Kenya we had we definitely had some issues tracking down some people um, but we we got there and we we figured it out uh, same thing with Greece um, you know a few other locations uh, some of them are ancient they're thousands of years old depending on where in the world we've been but I feel we've done a good job of tracking down the truth the lives and the history behind some of the weirdest places in the world so that's it for this podcast uh, the next one will actually explain how do we travel all over the world for next to nothing uh, that's probably the second most question I get um, sometimes even the first if people find out that we're only paying $292 round trip to get to Asia or $184 round trip to Brazil um, a bunch of other absurd prices that I'll tell you in the next episode so it will I'll let you know how we find all these deals it's not they're secret but they're not anybody can figure them out it's not that I have a connection or sponsors from the airlines God, I wish I could get one of those, but uh, we haven't been able to secure that yet. So everything has been smart looking and, and booking. Um, so check that out in the next podcast. In the meantime, make sure to check out the show on Facebook and YouTube. It's called Exploring the Obscure. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Timmy Martini. And if you do enjoy all of this, we now have a Patreon that we are setting up uh, where you can donate money monthly. Uh, try and keep the, the trips going and everything like that even if it's a dollar five dollars five thousand dollars would be greatly appreciated monthly uh, you know whatever you can whatever you can give uh, so that'll be patreon.com slash exploring the obscure as well uh, thanks for listening in uh, make sure you subscribe pass it on to your friends and keep looking out for new podcasts